welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Publitz, and welcome back for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 8th, 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to be digging back into it this week, and I'm excited that we're on the second half of the year. Are you? It's amazing how fast 2018 has been moving right along. But before we get back into this week's episode, I want to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. I like using Working Preacher. Their Sermon Brainwaves podcast is a great resource to be able to kind of dive into different topics and give you some different ideas on possibly what to preach or ideas of what will be coming up. Their commentaries and discussions are great. And I would also love to throw out if there are other places that you end up gathering information with commentaries or different ideas, shoot me an email or shoot me a tweet at Faith Inside Pod. I'd love to hear where are you getting your commentaries to be able to get some more diversity with where I'm getting my sources for the Faith and Science Podcast. I think this is a really exciting week. I'm really excited, and I will admit this week has been a little frustrating for me for getting this podcast together because there was something, an idea that was in the back of my head to work with this podcast and it took me hours to find the research but I ended up finding it and we're going to talk about it with bird calls this week and how is that tied into what we'll find in the text this week with sending people out stay tuned this will be an interesting week for you so our gospel text is out of mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 13 and this is a verse in a section that I really like thinking about a lot kind of with just where I'm at in life. And I think it's a really good text to talk about with young people personally. But it's that Jesus returns to his hometown for the first time. After doing some of these miracles and different things, we have to remember it's Mark. So it's really surprising that he kind of gives us the details here of people questioning They just heard him preach in the synagogue, but where did this man get all this? Where did all this wisdom come from? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? So there's a lot of doubt kind of within the people. And Jesus then talks about how it's difficult for someone in their homeland or their hometown to be respected and be able to, in this case, share the message. And so then he sends out his 12 disciples in pairs of two, and they end up doing a lot of these miracles that Jesus wasn't able to do in his hometown. So it's a really interesting text. The first reading is from Ezekiel chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. This is part of the calling of Ezekiel. So this is where God is kind of empowering Ezekiel to go forth and be able to share the message with With others, coming from verse 3, he said to me, Mortal, I am sending you to be people of Israel, to the nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. Their descendants are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord your God. And that he's calling him, that's verses 3 and 4, to begin his ministry. Really cool reading. The alternative first reading kind of continuing along this Samuel way is 2 Samuel chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 and 9 through 10. And this is where we get David's already been the king of Israel and the part of Hebron, which is just part of the tribe. 
And he is now talking about uniting the Judean part and that they're coming together and that he is making Jerusalem the home city, which Working Preacher in their Sermon Brainwaves podcast talked about with all the stuff that's been going on with Jerusalem. That's a possible sermon. I didn't find a faith and science context, so I wasn't really going to dive into that one this week. But an interesting reading, again, bringing people back together. I feel tying in with this mission of getting people to come together to be able to go and share the good news. In this case, just the reuniting of the tribe of Israel, which is important. The psalm this week is all of Psalm 123, which is a whole of poor verses. And it's just this kind of nice repentance psalm, I'll put it that way, and that we are able to to look to God and just that he's going to be there. And especially if we're continuing along with this theme of sharing the message, it's time as it's very difficult, as we all probably know. It's hard to do well and effectively. And at times we're going to just fall down and look up to God and help me in this. So it's kind of a neat reading. The second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 10. And I think the second half of this is where the true amazing part of this is. Paul is kind of talking about how, again, kind of how he was coming to the faith. You could maybe get some sarcastic feel to kind of the beginning of this, but he talks about his weakness and it's stating in verse nine, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. So kind of a very powerful reading talking about how our weaknesses he works through, our imperfect parts he works through for his glory, which I'm so thankful for because I am far from it. And you're probably now asking, Tyler, how does this relate back to birds like you said in the introduction? And one of the things that at times is really fun for me with doing this is seeing where my brain goes when I am trying to focus on where is the science connection? Where can I bring that in? And some weeks are much more difficult than others. And so this week, the one that kind of grabbed me is the struggle that Jesus had with being able to share the message in his hometown. And as I was going through that, I remember back to some discussions that I had had and part of some lectures I had had in college in animal behavior. And we were talking about how birds, mostly songbirds, and if you're narrowing that down more, would be like a song sparrow how they develop their song. And a lot of birds kind of follow fairly similar. They do have certain steps that they kind of go through, but different species do it very differently. And I think it actually illustrates really well how each of us is called to do something a little bit different in our faith. And in the email this week or in the description this week, I would dare you to check out some of these links. They are scientific papers. And to give you a brief overview and kind of how to read these things, I would look at the abstract, which kind of summarizes the whole paper. 
I would look at the introduction, which would give you some good basic information. I would then skip to the results section, kind of look at the tables and different things, look at the summaries underneath those, and then what are their final conclusions? It's kind of how a lot of scientists do it too. That's how we get through as many papers as we do. There are distinct ways that certain birds do this. So a zebra finch, for instance, has a very like scheduled process from the time it's born to when it will learn its song is 90 days, roughly. So it's, it's very dependent on its father, in this case, being present. In bird species, especially songbirds, the father sings more often than not. They're the ones who are doing the singing. And it's actually really interesting when you get into this because a lot of the songbirds, a lot of when they're chicks, males and females will learn the song and then the females will quit singing. And it's hypothesized that the reason that they do this is so that the females know what the good songs are so that they can choose a good mate because they have done tests in a lab where they'll take away a father bird and kind of see then what happens to the bird. And the bird will come up with a song. And it will be kind of similar, but it won't ever be quite as clear. It won't ever quite be as precise as one had been raised around their father. For an early bird development, it's really important to have a father bird around so that they can hear the song, plus the neighbor birds. And part of it, again, these are the birds that have reproduced. They're the ones who have territory. They're the ones who are being successful. So it would be a good thing for these birds to learn and start to mimic. So in the zebra finch, it's a 90-day process. 90 days will lock in what the song it will sing for the rest of its life, period. Then you get birds that kind of play by a little bit different rules. So a song sparrow. Song sparrows, what they'll have consider kind of have two broods so there's a early hatch and a late hatch in the summer and with that the birds have a little bit different way of learning the song they start to memorize and rehearse the song in the fall if they're to like the fledgling stage so that they've grown feathers and that they're starting to get bigger get closer to an adult bird they'll start practicing and trying to to talk you know, it's to sing. And it's actually very similar to a young child when they're doing their babbling. Doesn't make a ton of sense. They're trying to imitate stuff, just aren't able to quite do it. Birds are doing the same thing. And I'll see if I again can find, I found actually a really cool site that it was showing actually audibly, you're able to hear the birds trying to learn. Here's like the adult call, the per, you know, what it will sound like. And here's the bird tr struggling. And you can hear parts of it it's trying to learn it it's really really cool really cool but the song sparrows will start to rehearse this in the fall but you have to remember the birds are also getting ready to go south at that point they do migrate they're getting ready to go to another location so singing and learning to sing isn't exactly the most important thing at that time so when they come back in the spring they will then, again, open up this, what they call plasticity, so that they can learn the song and then crystallize it or finalize their song. Now, one thing, again, I know this is taking a little bit, but each bird will take this song and put their own little twist on it. And part of the reason is, is like humans, 
each population or each section that these are in, there's a local dialect. So they're going to come in, figure out kind of what the local dialect is, and then they're going to, okay, I got to put this little twist on it so that people recognize it's me, not my brother Steve. So each one has a unique little thing, but it's going to all have the similar dialect. And we're going to get back to that a little bit more later. The indigo bunting, for instance, they don't deal with it at all in the fall. So when they come back in the spring, it's really important for them then to be working on that. And and they will finalize their song when they come back that first year. So that when they're born that hatch year, they don't learn a song. They learn their song their first adult year when they come back. Brown-headed cowbirds kind of a parasitic bird if you know anything about them brown-headed cowbirds don't make their own nests they lay their eggs in with other birds which is a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day at times to the detriment of whatever bird is made the nest and with their young but brown-headed cowbirds will take that first year off so you have your hatch year their first adult year to start to memorize to learn the song and then it's the third year where they start to actually produce a crystallized version of it. And partially because that's, brown-headed cowbirds would have originally been around bison as they roamed the plains of the United States. And so they would have needed to be constantly moving. So that first adult year, they would have been exposed to a lot of brown-headed cowbirds. And they don't have as much of a community. So it's kind of figuring that out and how does this all work. So then they have that. And then you get to birds like European starlings or mockingbirds that will, throughout their whole lives, continue to pick up different sound effects, different things they can mimic for their whole lives. One of the things I would recommend if you've never done, check out the lyrebird, L-Y-R-E. It's in South America. The male birds kind of make a stage and to show off for the females they perform all the different sounds that they have perfected. And it's really interesting how well they mimic things. And you can start to see the human impact on them as they start imitating mechanical shutter sounds, chainsaws, tons of different human things. It's really, really interesting. Kind of scary, but kind of cool at the same time. So how does this all relate? And As I kind of thought about this and think about this in the order of that we're being called to go out and share the message, each of us is going to be called to do that differently. Some of us are like Jesus' disciples. They're from probably the area that Jesus is from and are able to, to preach and to share their message there. They're kind of like the zebra finches. That they're able to just kind of spend their time in this area and I'm able to minister to the people around me because I can speak their language. I know their dialect. I know all that. But then there are, all I think, as many of us who are called to go and do something else. And that's where, like, if you take the Song Sparrow, we learn from our young experiences, you know, our dialect. We learn the basics. It's that first that spring year that first adult year that are so important because that's when we crystallize actually our true dialect for the bird you know that's when we really perfect and figure out our ministering style 
being able to, where do we actually plug in? Where do we actually fit? So is it returning back home or is it like Jesus saying, it's super difficult for some birds or for us to go back home? And is this a way to naturally expand the population, naturally expand the message that I don't necessarily want you going back home? For me, with where I'm at in my life, it's one of the questions that I am thinking about a lot, is where am I supposed to be? And I think a lot of young people, it's a question that we wrestle with a lot, is with the opportunities that are open to us now, are we called to go back home? There's always a pull to go back home, but is that always the best for our spiritual lives? Are we called to do something greater? Are we called to go and do something more? Are we called to go somewhere different? So that's where, for me, that's kind of where I see those coming in. It's still really important. The foundation of what we built as young children is going to be reflected in wherever we go. But you're still going to learn and and crystallize and continue to be somewhat fluent in wherever you go. So in a way, we're kind of like a songbird like a song sparrow, where we're starting to learn our song, starting to learn how we are pursuing the message. And some of us are going to be much more like a zebra finch. And nope, I feel like God wants me to stay in this area and just do what I've done. And this is where I grew up. And this is where he wants me. And some of us are going to be like European starlings or mockingbirds, where he wants us all over the place. Kind of like Paul, just going and and pushing that message. It can be easy to perceive a young bird after their first year not finalizing their song, not really being able to to sing with full clarity as a weakness, like what Paul talked about. But it also, in that weakness, it gives the bird the opportunity to go and expand their range, to find somewhere different, find somewhere better, find better neighbors for them. It's really interesting. I'll attach some videos talking about how neighbor birds will get so that they're all talking a similar language so that they are able to communicate and realize that they're not needing to be threatened by their neighbors. And like we talked about earlier, the neighbors, in a way, by the young hearing them, help raise their own children, you know, the neighbor kids. It's really, it's a network built to expand the bird population, expand to the new places, expand to where there is a need. But there's also specific species that are designed to stay in the same area. And that's what's so cool. We are called in the same way. Some of us are called to stay in the same area for 70 plus years of our lives. And some of us are called to be in places for a short period of time. And we have to learn to trust and learn what that means. But in the whole time, we need to be learning to continue to share the message. Even if our dialect is a little bit weird with wherever we go, we'll learn the new dialect, we'll learn the new language, and then we're able to share the message. One human example is, you know, like I've stated before, I'm born and raised in northern Wisconsin, and I went to Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, which is right next to Fargo, North Dakota. And When I came back, I remember it was about my junior year, and my dad just started talking about how I had picked up the local accent there, which in Fargo, if you don't know, they love dragging their vowels. 
They love holding on the vowels for extended periods of time. Oh, don't you know? They love doing that. It's just the local dialect. And it's for me, it's at times I, I can feel myself falling back into that, even as I try to let go of that dialect at times. It's still part of who I am. It's still part, there's a lot of good memories that I have with with me and my faith walk and sharing my faith walk from that time. So there's a part of me that, yes, I want to let that go, but it's also still a fundamental part to build on the my childhood coming from northern Wisconsin, just like a bird. So just like birds, I feel like we have to realize that there is a time to stay and a time to go, a time to share and a time to grow. And I would encourage you this week to think about Are you being called to go and share? Are you being called to find a new dialect? Are you being called to explore a new dialect? The question of the week, I think, will be that. Are you being called to explore a new dialect? I think that's where we'll put it. I would love to hear your responses on this. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And I would love to know if there's a preaching resource or a a resource that you use to help supplement your time in worship. I'd love to hear where you go. Where where are you checking out? So, I'll wrap this up like we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.